Throughout history, the Jewish people have faced trials and tribulations that threaten to destroy them individually and collectively. Think about the Babylonian exile. Think about the destruction of the Second Temple. Then there's the loss of life at Masada. Ancient events brought the Jews in a conflict with other nations. The Assyrians destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel and deported their people, never allowing them to return. The Babylonians destroyed the first temple and exiled the people. But thankfully, Cyrus, when he came to power, he allowed them to return. Then the Romans rose to power after the Greeks, and the Romans raised the second temple to the ground, fulfilling Jesus' prophecy that not one stone will be left upon another that would not be thrown down. European history also reveals many massacres and uprisings against the Jews. All of these events, of course, pale in comparison to the Holocaust. Yet like Daniel, the Jews maintained their unique sense of identity. They continued to go to the synagogue and observe rituals and feasts. Under the tyrannical leadership of the depraved dictator Adolf Hitler, the Nazis forced the Germans to wear the yellow stars of David to identify themselves as Jews, and then the Germans placed the Jews in concentration camps and then killed them, six million of them. Nevertheless, despite the enemy's best efforts to annihilate all the Jews, many of the Jews have remained faithful to their God and held on to their heritage. Other individuals were also defying the wrong kind of authority during that time. A Swedish architect and diplomat named Raoul Wallenberg helped thousands of Jews in Hungary. Serving in Budapest, Hungary as a special envoy to the German-occupied country, Wallenberg did whatever he could to save the lives of as many Jews as possible by providing them with Swedish passports. Although Hitler and his Nazis had many Jews sealed in a train, headed to their death, or extremely torturous living conditions— Wallenberg climbed on top of the train and started handing out Swedish passports through the doors. The Germans repeatedly commanded him to disembark, get off this train, but he courageously refused. And then a group of elite soldiers known as the Arrow Cross Men added shooting to their shouting. That's what we call escalation. Wallenberg ignored their deadly arrows whizzing by as he handed out more and more passports to save more and more Jewish lives. Many have wondered how the arrows missed a sitting duck on top of a train fired by the bows of some pretty angry anti-Semitic soldiers. Some have speculated that the arrow cross men so appreciated Wallenberg's courage they were amazed by his bravery that they purposely missed. But Wallenberg hit as many targets as possible by handing out passports. Once he handed out the last passport, he called everybody with a passport to leave the train. He had cars waiting for the lives he had saved. These flabbergasted arrow-cross men let him get away with it. Wallenberg saved around 4,500 Jews. Courage triumphed over evil. Of course, Scripture has one of the great highlights of courage in the Old Testament. It's the story of Daniel, who demonstrated tremendous courage as he continued to pray to the Lord Jehovah, even though it was under the penalty of death. Daniel had lived a good life, even though he faced a difficult life after being exiled to Babylon and then seeing the Persians rise to power. But throughout his life, no matter who was on the throne, Daniel stayed true to the Lord. And even when his life improved and he was promoted in the kingdom of Persia, Daniel did not turn his back on God. It's a wonderful story of courage and bravery, which we're going to hear a lot more about right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast. 
Brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. I'm L.J. Harry, happy to be your host, and this is the God's Word for Life companion podcast. And this episode is called Standing Tall on His Knees, and it's all about the story of our friend Daniel. It's taken from the book that bears his name, from the book of Daniel, chapter 6, verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. In case you just arrived to work after a four-minute and 30-second commute, let me just tell you quickly what that writing was. The king had decreed that nobody could pray to any other god in his kingdom except to him. And that was all a trick and a ploy. But Daniel, after hearing that it is illegal And under the penalty of death, nobody can pray to any other god except for King Darius. Daniel went home the same day with his window open toward Jerusalem and prayed. That's courage. That's also faith that the God who called you is strong enough to keep you. Daniel could have taken the easy path to success in Babylon. He was one of the first deportees during multiple exiles of Jews to Babylon. The the Babylonians came into Jerusalem, and they took one wave of exiles, and they came back, and they took some more, and they came back, and they took some more. Daniel was one of those first waves of exiles who went to Babylon in captivity as prisoners of war. He faced a very difficult decision. As a young man, would he remain true to godly values he had been taught concerning Jehovah? Or... Would he obey all these new influences around him? And Daniel chose wisely to be faithful to God, even in a place that was hostile to his worship of Jehovah. An opportunity to demonstrate his faithfulness presented itself whenever Daniel and his friends refused to drink the king's wine or eat the meat that the king had had prepared for him and his friends. Since this is January, there are a lot of Christians, a lot of churches who are on different types of fasts for consecration's sake here at the beginning of this new year. And Daniel chose to refuse to eat what the king was offering and drink what the king was offering. He was offering meat, offering wine, and Daniel said, no, we, we're, we're not going to eat that. Maybe enjoying the king's fare portrayed this friendly alliance with the king and they found unacceptable because they're not supposed to be simpatico with the king because their king worships other gods and even sometimes has others worship him as God. Or maybe it was because some of the meat was offered up to Babylonian idols and some of the drink was poured out to their false deities. Either way, Daniel and his friends asked, you know what, can you just give us some veggies and water? Okay, so let me get this straight. You guys guys don't want ribeye, but you want green beans? Really? And now the person in charge of Daniel is in a tight spot. Because if he offers Daniel green beans and water and offers everybody else meat and wine— and Daniel comes around looking scrawny and scraggly, it will be his head because he didn't take care of the people the king asked him to take care of. And Daniel was one of the wisest, one of the most intelligent of these young men in his kingdom. He wanted Daniel to be a man of power. And so this guy's in trouble. Daniel's possibly in trouble. But Daniel said, you let us worry about that. Our God will take care of us. Just give us veggies and water. 
And so he said, okay, we'll do this dance for 10 days. But at the end of 10 days, if you're looking scrawny and scraggly, I'm sorry, meat's on the menu. And yet at the end of the 10 days, because God had blessed Daniel, Daniel and his friends looked better than the others. Next chapter, they faced a very difficult task of being asked to interpret a dream, even though King Nebuchadnezzar could not remember the dream. Think about this. The king calls in all of his astrologers, all of his enchanters, all of his wise men, and says, listen, boys, I, I had a dream last night, and wow, I just whew, woke up this morning and just feeling all kinds of trouble. And they look at him and they say, oh, dreams, dreams, we do dreams. It's the signature dish for the heart. Tell you what, you do this. You tell us what you dream, we'll tell you why, and then we could be the first tea by noon. And the king looked at him and said, no, that's not, that's not how this is going to work. I don't remember what I dreamed. So I need you to not only tell me why I dreamed it, but what I dreamed. And they looked at him and said, there's nobody on this earth who can do that for you except the gods, and their dwelling is not with flesh. Which, <laughs> basically, they were saying, only the gods can do that, only divinity can do that for you, and <laughs> divinity would never dare mingle with flesh. <laughs> Those Babylonian astrologers did not know our God. Not only would he dwell with flesh one day, <laughs> He would dwell in flesh. But that's a whole other lesson altogether. Word got back to Daniel that the king was going to kill all those wise guys because they could not do what he was paying them to do. And Daniel said, give me a shot. Just let me pray. Let me talk to my God. And he came back and he told the king, I've talked to my God. He talked to me and I can tell you exactly what you dreamed and I can tell you exactly why you dreamed it. And sure enough, God answered Daniel's prayer and saved his life and others. Daniel's success was due to his relationship with God. His consistent prayer life, Daniel had developed an excellent spirit, the Bible says. God deemed the words of his mouth and the meditations of his heart acceptable, and God gave Daniel a wonderful attitude even in captivity. There's an age-old saying that tells us attitude determines our altitude, and in aviation, I'm pretty sure the attitude adjustment actually does indeed determine altitude. It's a whole avionics thing, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Nothing could be truer in a king's court. Attitude affects altitude. One wrong word might mean demotion and maybe even death. That beautiful, inspired book of Proverbs provides a great deal of advice to young people on how to properly conduct themselves in the palace. Daniel and his three friends needed more knowledge of decorum and protocol given their status as outsiders, their Jews in Babylon. But Daniel's humility, his attitude, his willingness to walk with God led him to be promoted to a prominent position in Babylon. And that rise resulted from Daniel being willing to fall on his knees. Here's a question. How can you demonstrate an excellent spirit in your daily life? Well, God poured favor on Daniel. Most remarkably, God continued to support Daniel throughout all the changes that happened there in Babylon. Daniel chapter 5, Daniel prophesied to the king that that night the Babylonian Empire would fall to the Medo-Persian Empire. And that very night, it happened just as Daniel prophesied. The whole story where the king was drunk, he was drinking wine out of the, the cups that came from the temple of the Lord. I mean, this guy was breaking all kinds of laws. And on that night, a hand appeared on the wall and began to write. And that's where we get the whole phrase, writing on the wall. And Daniel interpreted that you've been weighed in the balances, you've been found wanting, and your kingdom will be divided. And just as he prophesied it, boom, 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 it happened. Not only did Daniel survive that, he thrived. 
He had risen to power in the Babylonian Empire, and now he had risen to power in the Persian Empire. Everything was different, but his relationship with God was the same. It was unchanging. Everything else could change as long as his relationship with God stayed strong. Daniel is a strong example of faithful obedience. Our world is changing daily, hourly, sometimes minutely, and sometimes it makes it more difficult to live out our faith openly in our world. We might face a corporate takeover at work that brings in new people, new policies, new leaders. We might fear losing our job or wonder if we can manage the challenges ahead. We might be raising children or teenagers in a culture that is trying to teach them that what the Word of God says is antiquated and outdated and just a bunch of musings from men's minds, but that's not the case. It is the Word of God. We can't see everything in front of us, but we have a God who has gone before us, and we have a God who is above us, and greater than that, we have a God who's within us. He is within us, leading us where we ought to go. Instead of casting our cares on tomorrow, let's cast them on the Lord. He's the only one who can do anything about it. God has proven faithful to us just as he proved faithful to Daniel. And maybe when Daniel prayed, Daniel testified of the goodness of God and thanked God for salvation and deliverance and favor. We should do the same. When we wake up in the morning, we should thank God. Thank you, Lord, for another day, keeping us through the night. While our eyes were closed, your eyes were open, and you were watching over us. Thank you, God. Even if we face persecution, our response should be to declare the faithfulness of God. Most likely, our human response would be to declare the unfairness of what we're facing, but rather we should declare the faithfulness of God. Let me dispel a myth that is popular among a lot of televangelist preachers, that if you live for God, you'll be blessed beyond measure, you'll have more cars than your garage can hold, you have to build a bigger house to have a bigger garage to have more cars. But some people live for God faithfully all their life, and they still face persecution. They still face trials of their faith. It's an uncomfortable, but it's an important truth. Sometimes we face persecution because of our faithfulness, not our faithlessness. Now, sometimes we do face trials because of our faithlessness, and we've made a mess, and thankfully God is there to help us pick up the pieces and stand back up on our feet. But sometimes we face persecution because we've been doing right, not doing wrong. That's the whole story of Job, and once again, another lesson for another time. Our trials are not always the result of sin. Sometimes our trials are the result of righteous living, like Daniel, like Job. We must recognize where they're coming from, and we must refuse to give up despite our difficulty. So here's a question. How could faithfulness lead to persecution or other problems? Let me give you a hint. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've already overcome the world. Guys, I've seen the end and we win. Sometimes our trials can make it feel like the whole world is against us. In Daniel's case, it certainly felt like that. He was being preferred above the presidents, above the princes in that area. And as a result, those princes and presidents, they were jealous of Daniel. He was getting the attention, and they wanted it for themselves. So they plotted to take him down. But listen to this. They could find no fault in Daniel. They couldn't bring Daniel's second secret ledger to the king and show the king where he had embezzled, or they couldn't bring the recordings where Daniel had plotted together with others to overthrow the king. No fault in Daniel. <laughs> he wasn't even drinking wine, so he wasn't getting drunk and saying or doing dumb things. Here's the only thing they could get Daniel on. Daniel was faithful to God 
And that's all they could accuse him of. What a testimony that would be that the world could look at us and say, eh, I really don't find anything wrong with them, except they just seem to love their God way too much. May that ever be our testimony. So they tricked the king, who liked Daniel, obviously. They tricked King Darius into making a decree that nobody could pray to anybody else except for Darius for the next 30 days. And to a presumably type A and possibly egomaniac king, that sounded mighty, mighty good. And so he signed the decree, which could not be overturned. How do you fight that? You've been faithful. You've done it right. You've been living right. You've been living for God. You've been living with integrity. And your co-workers still play dirty. Nothing else worked to defeat Daniel, so they resorted to that trick play. But would Daniel bite? He could have chosen not to pray for 30 days. Okay, i gotta got to save my life for 30 days. That's all I've got to do. Maybe I can just kind of pray under my breath, or maybe I can close the window. Nobody will hear me pray. Let me outlast this evil plot of these presidents and princes, and, and, and then everything will be fine again. But Daniel saw the big picture. He knew they were watching. He knew faithfulness mattered. He also knew God had done him no wrong. So why would he walk away from God? And he knew the presidents and princes would not stop until they had won. No matter what they did, Daniel would not stop praying. Let me tell you something you probably already know. The people who are tempting you to try to sin, to do wrong, to let go of your convictions are watching, and partly they're watching because they want to know if what you have is really real. If it's not, you'll walk away from it. But if it is, you would lay down your life even for it, for this gospel. And maybe that's all they need to know. There's something in this artificial fake world that is really real. We want the Lord to reward us for our faithful obedience, but we must be aware there is worldly resistance. There is an attack against God's people for doing the right thing. When we pray, the Lord blesses us with an excellent spirit, the opportunity to be promoted and advanced, and that's wonderful. But others may be jealous, and they may despise us, and they may hate us for what God is doing in us. And like Daniel, we must continue praying, God has not done us wrong. Our spirituality is not conditional on our emotions, our feelings. Our faithfulness is not conditional because God is forever faithful. We should be consistent, just like Daniel. Here's a question, especially around this new year. This is a good question for us. How could you become more consistent in your personal spiritual habits? Doing right led Daniel into one of the most difficult trials of his life. Even the king felt sorry for Daniel when he realized what he had been tricked into signing. He had been bamboozled. The wool pulled over his eyes. The king told Daniel, listen to this. This is amazing. He told Daniel, don't worry, Daniel. Your God is able to deliver you. I'd love to know the Bible studies Daniel had with the King Darius. He knew about Jehovah, and he had watched God work in Daniel's life. In fact, the king could not reverse the decree, and his people let him know that. You, you can't do anything about this. Daniel needs to pay the price, and you can't save his life. I know you like him, but you can't save him. And the king admitted, nothing I can do for you, but your God, whom you serve, he will deliver you. Daniel's deliverance would depend on God and God alone. If God did not show up, Daniel would not wake up the next morning. Let's address the elephant in the room, which is really the three guys not in the room. What about Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah? 
known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We don't know where they were, just like we don't know where Daniel was when Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah would not bow to the king's statue in Daniel chapter 3. For some reason, Daniel's three friends are not in the story. They could not help him. The king could not help him. Nobody could help him except God, and he did. God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions. After Daniel was thrown into a den of hungry lions, the lions just sat there and looked at him and looked at each other. What should have been horrific for Daniel ended up being his greatest testimony. God intervened. God stood with Daniel, who stood for God. That whole night, Darius would not eat. He could not sleep. And finally, in morning light, he he went over to the den of lions and listened to what he said. He called out to Daniel, and he said, Oh, Daniel, is your God, whom you serve continually, was he able to keep you? And he listened, and he heard, O king, (laughs) live forever. My God hath sent his angel to shut the mouths of these lions. Interesting, isn't it? The king spent the night fasting for Daniel voluntarily. The lion spent the night fasting for Daniel involuntarily. God's in charge. Here's another question. What are some ways God has given you favor with others? Daniel's innocence saved his life. The court of public opinion, even a foolish law, decreed his death. But the Lord saved his life. The Almighty rules over the birds and the beasts, even the lions. As soon as Darius realized that Daniel was safe, he called for those who had accused Daniel. And he had them thrown into the den of hungry lions. And in just your case, you're wondering if maybe that night the lions just weren't that hungry. As soon as they were thrown in, they didn't even touch the floor of the den. And they were devoured. It just goes to show that God knows those who are his. We must trust God. He will deliver us from our trials or he will keep us through our trials. In our world, politicians may make some really bad decisions or bosses or leaders may make some bad decrees because they're pressured into it and they feel like there's no way out. And maybe those decrees conflict with our faith. We must be faithful to God. And when you are faithful to God, you will find out what Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and Esther, and Elijah, and Job, and Noah, you'll find out what all of them discovered. Our God stands with those who stand for him. Last question. What is something you need to trust God for right now? And while you're pondering that, Let's wrap this up. Lieutenant Colonel Stanislav Petrov of the USSR had his orders. He was the commander of a bunker that included a satellite-based detection system. And Petrov remained ever vigilant due to the threat of nuclear war. At any minute, the United States might attack Russia, and Petrov would have to make the quick decision to retaliate against the U.S. That was the Cold War, set both countries on edge for decades And so far, most of the events had played out just behind the scenes in some kind of a spy versus spy game. Espionage ruled the day, but everything done in the shadows could soon come to the light and place this animosity between these two warring countries on a horrific display of power and madness that could annihilate everyone and everything on the planet, mutually assured destruction. 
Some might have lived on pins and needles, but Petrov was resolute. He needed a cool head and a discerning heart. But then, on September 26, 1983, the unthinkable happened. The Cold War nearly turned into all-out nuclear war. Just past midnight, much like a doomsday clock signaling the end of the world in fiery apocalypse, an alarm screamed at Petrov that the United States had just fired five intercontinental ballistic missiles, ICBMs, toward Russia. But that warning turned out to be false. One of the satellites had caught the sunlight gleaming off of clouds near Montana and interpreted that as a launch of five missiles. Time to upgrade your detection software, guys. Duty required Petrov to communicate the potential missile launch to his superiors. But he believed it to be a mistake. He avoided reaching out to his Soviet high command because he could not imagine the United States choosing to send only five missiles. If the U.S. wanted to really hurt the Soviet Union, they're not just sending five missiles. Sweat beaded down the face of his colleagues and everybody's blood ran cold with fear. But Petrov chose to make the life-altering, world-changing decision to ignore that warning and claim this potential launch to be a false alarm in his report. Millions of people around the world went about their day without even knowing it could have been their last. After the Cold War ended, that shocking story came to light. As the records were declassified, it revealed Petrov's wisdom and desire for peace. He wasn't just out to destroy somebody. He just wanted to go home at the end of the day. Petrov won numerous awards. The UN honored him for making the right decision. <laughs> That's an understatement. Like Petrov, like Daniel, sometimes we're going to be faced with extremely difficult situations, seemingly impossible situations. During those times, we must maintain our poise and seek the best possible outcome, which is one reason we have the Holy Spirit within us. God gives us his spirit, and then he gives us all the fruit of that spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, self-control, faith. God gives us his spirit because he knows we can't do this on our own. We need him. Although some of his superiors might have viewed his decision as anarchy or even treason, how dare you not warn your superiors they're attacking Russia. We've got to do something about it. Petrov made the right call. Daniel made the right call. He ignored all the warning signs and alarms around him that screamed, conform, just conform, just conform. Instead, he chose to live righteously, continue praying to the one true God, because Daniel trusted the same God would deliver him from or through all of his trials. And just as we've learned, God stood with Daniel as Daniel stood for God. I would like us to pray that the Lord would help us to recognize his favor at work in our lives. I don't think we have to be everybody's enemy as we are a child of God. God can give us favor and influence and he can use us for his glory. So let's pray for God to help us recognize his favor at work in our lives and then to trust him during our trials, that we will live for him, not forsake him, not walk away, but we will be faithful to him as he has been ever faithful to us. Lord Jesus, we love you. We recognize your favor in our lives. We are blessed beyond measure. You've been so good to us. Help us to live a life of favor, true favor, not just material blessings, but influence with others, the opportunity to share the gospel with them. Lord, help us to build these relationships in our lives of trust and influence so we can minister to others and we can introduce them to you. And help us to trust you during trials, whatever we're facing, 
whether it's trials of our faith or trials about our faith. Help us, Lord Jesus, to trust you, to look to you, to be faithful to you as you have been faithful to us, never to forsake you, to walk away, but always to live for you, to stand with you, and trust you will stand with us as we stand for you. We love you, Jesus. We trust you. Thank you for this great story and many others in the Scripture. May we be like Daniel, who looked to you. Pray these things today in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks so much, God's Word for Life listeners. Hope this has been a blessing to you. Be sure to subscribe, follow, like, notify, and share with others the God's Word for Life companion podcast and head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. You'll find a bevy of God's Word for Life. In fact, we just went live this week with the spring 2024 curriculum. So if you're looking for spring curriculum, it's online, PentecostalPublishing.com. You'll find all of it there, children, youth, adults, everything is right there. Next week, we wrap up this awesome series highlighting the faithfulness of God with our final episode in this series, God Saved the Queen. Looking forward to sharing that with you next week and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.